I want to revisit John McCain's funeral from last weekend. Certainly, there's a lot to learn from the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings from this week. I also have some thoughts on Nike and Colin Kaepernick, that and more. So stick with us for today's Corey True Act Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. If you can't do a radio show and podcast in this news environment, you need to get out of this business. There is plenty to do from this week going back also into last week from John McCain's funeral. There's some lessons. I think we should take from that some things we need to learn from what took place there. But i got to start with Brett Kavanaugh and what happened this week at those Senate confirmation hearings. Again, trying to get the ideas behind the headlines, the ideas that lead us to these stories and maybe some deeper meaning in what we can find there. Before we get started, my name is Corey Truax, securing the blessings of liberty since 1986. I am also the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood Church meets at Greenville High School in downtown Greenville. We would love for to have you we would love to have you join us at 10:30 any given Sunday morning again Greenville High School downtown Greenville for Beachwood Church. So, here is how the confirmation hearings started for Brett Kavanaugh. You're about to hear uh, the uh, the ranking member or the uh, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chuck Grassley, tried to get the, the party started, and the theatrics and drama began quickly. Good morning. I welcome everyone to this confirmation hearing on the nomination of Mr. Chairman Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. I believe that was maybe six or seven seconds. So six or seven seconds into the confirmation hearing for what is really a very mainstream Republican a Republican that guys like me were somewhat disappointed in because not nearly as uh, as sound as we would hope, or at least we were, we were less sure of, in his constant in his dedication to the Constitution to be read as it originally was written. Six or seven seconds in, the senator from California, Kamala Harris, is already chiming in. To serve as associate justice, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized for a question before we proceed. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask a question before we proceed. The committee received just like... You weren't recognized, and then she just continues right into her point. I tell you, if I'm Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Grassley, this is, this is not happening today. And I'm shutting that thing down. I am banging my gavel until she shuts up and everybody else. I can't stand that kind of disorder. And especially here on the left. I should say here on the left. Over there on the left. You have joined me in the last three years in complaining about a lack of decorum, about personalities that don't follow the rules. And now here you are opening up a Supreme Court justice nominee's confirmation hearings by causing chaos literally six seconds in. Eddie received just last night, less than 15 hours ago, 44,000 pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review or read or analyze. You are out, you're out of order. I'll proceed. We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I extend this a very warm... Here is why I have such a problem with this. The disingenuineness... Disin, uh, how do you say that? Disingenuity? I can't even get there. But the, there, she's very disingenuous on these documents. Kamala Harris has already announced her opposition to this nominee. I think all it's almost every Democrat on that committee has already announced... We opposed the nominee the night, he, the night he was announced. Some of them were on television announcing their opposition to the nominee before there was a nominee. Before anyone had been 
chosen by the President of the United States to fill this seat left by Anthony Kennedy, many Democrats said it doesn't matter who it is. We are always going to oppose them. So, Kamala, Senator Harris, you tell me, what are you going to do with those documents? You Democrats on the Senate that are so upset that you're not following all the rules. We've got all these pages and we do, we want to read them. We want to get all of our, all the information. Is it going to change your mind? Is it really? Quit being so disingenuous on these things. You're not going to change your mind about this nominee. And you're, this is a stall tactic. And here's more than a stall tactic. What it actually is a fundraising tactic. Kamala Harris wants to run for president. And she thinks she can get... Uh, she can make some some serious hay out of a good email on this. Cory Booker thinks he can make uh, some some good fundraising and and be able to play this commercial during the Democratic primaries that he was super de duper hard on this nominee. And the whole thing is just theater, and it's below the intelligence of the American people. Very warm welcome. We have not to been Judge given Kavanaugh an opportunity to have a meeting his wife, hearing Ashley, on this nominee. Their He's- two daughters. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator Harris. Mr. Chairman, we received... Grassley's just not... Oh, man. You got to do better than this. This is where you grab your gavel. You call it to order. You tell them. Your motion is denied. If you continue, I will have the sergeant of arms take you out. I mean that. You don't get to cause a ruckus. There has to be some semblance of order on both sides. If we're going to complain about it with the president, and I do, I'm going to complain about it on the left. When you guys are trying to cause chaos, I, I, I am not for chaos. This is a Christian worldview principle. We are for good order. We're for cultivating things. We're trying to put things into place. That there is, there is wanton waste. The, the world in its natural order, like Maslow's Law says, it goes towards chaos. Well, we are trying to address the chaos. And as they are trying to cause this, it is the wrong thing to do, and I would I would have brought order to that room so quick. 42,000 documents that we haven't been everyone able else joining to review us last today. night. And we- Our chairman should also control the microphones. That should be true. She could let her, let her yell over there, but she, her mic shouldn't be on. If she wants to keep talking and be a, be a jerk and be a moron while he is talking, let her. Fine. But turn that microphone off. I believe this hearing should be postponed. I know this is an exciting day for all of you here. Mr. Chairman. And you're rightly proud of Mr. Chairman, of if, if we cannot be recognized, I move to adjourn. The American people. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Directly from Judge Kavanaugh. I don't even know what Democrat senator that is. I think it's the guy from Delaware. And uh, the, the crazies in the crowd go wild. You know what I do right there if I'm Grassley? I bang that gavel and I say, you know what? That's a great idea. Let's vote right now. And you want to adjourn. You want to not have this hearing. But since all of this is meaningless, since no one's going to change their mind in these days of, of actual questioning, you, sir, you, Senator, you have a great idea. Instead of adjourning, we will go ahead and close this thing down. I move that we vote to send... Let's go ahead and hold our vote. I move to hold the vote to send this nomination to the floor of the Senate. And you know what he would he would do? You know what Kavanaugh would do there? He would have won. He would have won that vote. And you know what he's going to do when he finally does get the vote in the committee? He's going to be, he's going to win. He's going to go to the floor of the Senate. That kind of moronicism from those senators, senators it, is, it has nothing to do with any principle. It was only politics and theater. None of it meant anything. None of, none of that was meaningful. And then after... The senators acted like Occupy Wall Street activists. There were plenty of actual Occupy Wall Street type activists that caused a ruckus the entire first day and tried to a little bit more the second day. 
this is why everyone needs to ask me for advice before they do things. Because I would have been able to settle this. You know what we're doing? We're clearing the room. You watch it on C-SPAN. There's no right to be in this room. You don't have a right to be in here. I've said this on Facebook before. I got some pushback. If I were a congressperson, I am finished with town halls. We're not doing that. It's tele-town halls. That's what we're doing. Or at least the first time someone misbehaves and causes a ruckus. No, we're not doing that. I, I'm not giving you a platform to get yourself attention. No, I'm not doing that. This is why I love tele-town halls, where you call in to a number, you hear the congressman. That's what you're supposed to be doing anyway. You're supposed to be getting a report from your congressman. And if you have a question, you indicate that on your phone, you press some buttons, you talk to somebody, and then you can get on, and only your voice is heard. This is so much better than what was happening in that confirmation room, which was chaos, just screaming and yelling, and you couldn't understand what anybody was saying anywhere. They should close those hearings. They are not open to the public. We have these things. I don't know if you've heard there's these things called TVs now. I know it's it's newfangled and it's not it's not for everybody. But like there's satellites in outer space and people are taking footage on their phones now. Believe it or not, they can capture these images and the sound, and they can see everything that's going on. But if you're just here to make a ruckus, the answer is no. Get out. We are closing these hearings. So that was one. Maybe another I wanted to get to was, oh yeah, that's what it was. The Gutenberg dad. All right, so one of the day one or two of the confirmation, one of the big controversies, is one of the dads whose daughter died in the Parkland, Florida shooting. He came up at lunch break. So Kavanaugh has been in this, in this room for five or six hours. He has heard, he's really been berated in opening statements. Around him, like behind him, his daughters have had to be removed because the room is in such chaos. The room is so unstable. They've had to move the 10-year-old and the 13-year-old out. You know he's been coached for a month that you need to be very focused here. You know, when it's time to go to lunch, you get up, you go to lunch. And what happens is this dad from Parkland, Florida, you probably saw the tape. He says he comes up, holds out his hand to Kavanaugh to shake his hand, says, hi, my uh, my name is whatever his name is, something Gutenberg or Guten, it's Guten something. My daughter was murdered at Parkland in the, the, the video shows Kavanaugh turning around and walking away and not shaking his hand. And so that becomes something for some reason. Kavanaugh snubs this guy. He's, he's obviously, uh, he, he loves guns so much that he, he hates this guy. Certainly that's not what took place. We all had that. We've all had been in a room that's really loud and someone says something, you don't know what they're saying. It happens to me all the time. Especially in a situation of that high stress where I've been focused so hard for five or six hours, I'm focused so hard on what's going on around me, and it has been chaos, and some random person comes up, and the word murder comes out of his mouth. That's how you introduce yourself. My my daughter was murdered at Parkland. Yeah, I'm probably not, in, in, one, in the mood to deal with you. I'm not, I didn't come to meet new people, man. That's not all, that's not all me to do. I'm here to, I have a job. I'm at my confirmation hearing. I'm not here to meet new friends. You got me? You cool with that? But So second on this Gutenberg guy, he tweeted a week before this hearing, I, I, he said he was going to D.C., he wanted to play his part in making sure this person never sat on the court. So you're, you're in the room specifically trying to stop this person from the task that he has started. You're not entitled to shake his hand. You're not entitled to his, to, to his attention. A bad thing happened to you. That doesn't give you special status. Just because a bad thing happened in your life, that doesn't make you a celebrity. No one owes you anything, sir. And so you have him coming over to do that, which also leads to this conclusion. That was obviously a setup. 
How do you get that seat, man? How did you get that seat that you were feet away? You were so close to this guy. To the point where the moment it's time to get up and go to lunch, you were able to, like, you didn't have to sprint. There was no one in between you and him. You're able to just walk up. And then moments after that, you tweet what happens, and there's perfect video of it. And you're on CNN in an hour. And then you're on CNN later that night again. Let's not pretend this is not all theater. It's, and I'm going to call it out on both sides. The other side does it. The, the president does things like this. Republicans do things like this. But this is just meaningless, disgusting theater. And I don't mind saying to that dad, I, said, I, I, I try to keep the show civil, but sir, you just used your daughter's death to try to make some political point. You just used your daughter's death to make yourself famous. Let's not pretend that you were doing that for her. Let's be sure to be clear you are doing that for your own name and renown because you have found some meaning in this kind of act- activism. It's disgusting and it's gross. I think that's all I have to say on the Kavanaugh hearings. I'm not sure. When we come back, I will figure that out. And certainly I want to move on to the John McCain funeral and we'll talk about Colin Kaepernick and Nike. We'll do that and more when we return on the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Connect to the show at your convenience on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there and get every episode of the show on demand at CoreyTruax.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, iTunes, Anchor, uh, and then, again, I always post the show out on social media. Be grateful. I would be grateful if you would follow me there. We will leave the Kavanaugh hearings with just one more statement. The guy needs to be confirmed. He's totally qualified. He's, he's not even as judicially sound as Gorsuch was. If you're going to throw a fit, guys, you should have thrown a fit, I guess, at Gorsuch if you're, if you're really worried. But the, the left is misbehaving in every way. It's absurd and irrational. You know, I actually heard on NPR, because I listened to NPR, it was Senator uh, Leahy, maybe? There was a, there's a senator in the Northeast. He's one of the old-timers. He's been there for like 30 years. And he was asked by the NPR reporter, do you think this Kavanaugh hearing helps you? Do you think the Kavanaugh hearing helps Democrats in November trying to win back the House and the Senate? And he straight said, no. No, this is very harmful. This, this kind of, uh, these kind of theatrics and, and these kinds of protesters in the, in the hall that are just trying to shut down a committee meeting. Oh, no, that's not, that's not helpful. Uh, for those, he said it this way, those labor voters, those voters that typically vote Democrat that are, you know, Republicans are, Republicans are for the big guy, and Democrats are for the little guy, and they're for, for labor and for workers and for wages. You know, Republicans are for big corporations. Those are our voters, and they voted for Trump because they thought Trump was for the little guy. The, those folks out in the middle of the country, in, in the swing states, they don't like seeing this. They don't like seeing this kind of radicalism. So no, it doesn't help Democrats for us to be associated with this kind of behavior. And he's right, by the way. It is going to damage them. I don't know if it's going to damage them enough to keep Nancy Pelosi for being speaker again, but man, it, uh, it is definitely not helpful to them. Uh, but in the end, Kavanaugh needs to be confirmed. He's qualified. I'm glad he's there. Uh, it could have been better, but certainly could have been worse. So uh, this needs to get done quickly because uh, the Supreme Court starts in August. Excuse me, October. Their first day is coming up first Wednesday in October. All right, moving on. The John McCain funeral. You know, we talked about John McCain's passing all last week. I thought there was some lessons we could learn from his his life and then the reaction to his passing, but some some things in the funeral itself need to be mentioned. So I'll probably put this in two categories. So the first one, 
Uh, yeah, we'll start with Megan McCain. This first category is some criticism I heard on whether or not this funeral unnecessarily took shots at the president, took shots at President Trump, criticized him. You know, he wasn't invited. Totally fine with that, obviously. I, personally, if I'm John McCain, I, I would hope that no part of my memorial was used to criticize the current president. Because I do mean this. As unique as the, this president is in time, I think he is ultimately forgettable. Like, I, I, I mean, how much do you really remember? I don't know. Let's go back some. I mean, what do you really know about Gerald Ford? You know, what, what do you really think through uh, Truman about? Woodrow Wilson. I mean, he's, he's different, right? Because he was the first true non-political figure, I guess, to be president. But what I, what I mean is I think Trump is very transient. I think a lot of people were, are going to regret how much they cared during this time and how much they stressed out and freaked out about this one character. I think he'll go away, and a lot of people forget about him. Thankfully, gratefully. And so if I'm John McCain, I would hope that the memorials surrounding me were not spent in really any part, not just in large part, but in any part, focused on this one personality who was a big deal for a little while. Now, in that vein, there were people on the Trump side saying that a bunch of the speakers at the McCain Memorial were taking shots at the president. I don't think that's true. I think that it's actually more telling that you heard it that way. So, for example, George W. Bush said in his eulogy, that one of, the, one of the things John McCain hated the most was for power to be abused. And that was one of the things on Twitter I saw that Trump people were saying, well, he's just he's just criticizing President Trump. Wait, what? How did you hear that? How did you hear John McCain doesn't like power to be abused as a Trump hit? How did you do that? And there, there were several others. I think, I think President Obama, he's insufferable, said something about, John McCain valued all Americans no matter how long they've been here. I guess that's a that's a statement on immigration. And so that was, you see, he's criticizing President Trump. Well, a couple things. One, Trump doesn't, he's not the son. The universe doesn't revolve around him, okay? Second, you're hearing things that say more about you. Again, trying to get deeper here. Back when Ted Cruz at the convention he got all kinds of flack for getting up on stage during the Republican National Convention where the Republicans were nominating Donald Trump back in Cleveland in 2016. And Ted Cruz said, I want you to go out there and vote, and I want you to vote your conscience up and down the ballot. And everybody just, they, I thought Ted, Ted Cruz was being called the devil. He was Satan because vote your conscience. It seemed like Trump, Trump people just knew. Trump people knew. Voting your conscience means don't vote Trump because no one's conscience could mean vote Trump. And he didn't, Ted Cruz didn't say that, but Trump's people heard it that way. So first, there was this line of criticism coming out of the McCain funeral that was, they're, they're just using this as an event to, to criticize the president. I don't think that's true at all. I think there were, there were some moments like that. But for the most part, it was a remembrance of John McCain. And that's, that is part two of what I want to talk about. Is some things, I don't know, some encouraging things I, I saw there in some of those, or heard there in the, some of those speeches. But... One more point on this. Like, was it, was this an attack on the president? Well, Meghan McCain, to me, went too far one time. So, but she, it's her dad's funeral, so here's what I can do. I can shut up 
it's her dad's funeral. She can do what she can do what she wants as she works through that kind of grief. But I do want to play that one clip for you. This is Meghan McCain. The America of John McCain is generous and welcoming and bold. She is resourceful and confident and secure. She meets her responsibilities. She speaks quietly because she is strong. America does not boast because she has no need to. The America of John McCain has no need to be made great again because of because it's already been great, it's because it's great already, right? That's an absolute, surely unmitigated shot at the President of the United States. And she has that right. It's her dad's funeral. She can do what she wants and use it for whatever occasion. I, I would say I, I wish she wouldn't have, just because I don't think that's a good thing to do at a funeral. Uh, but at the same time, and if you're doing the whole turnabout's fair play, the President of the United States is an absolute monster to her dad. I mean, he was a just a real terrible human being regarding John McCain. I don't know why you want to have that fight post-mortem. So that did happen a little. That that criticism is real from that funeral. It's just not nearly as much as people said. Now, point two is maybe the the bigger part of the show today and s- something that needs to get worked through on a deeper level. Some of the celebration coming out of this funeral was around how the... The McCains and the Bushes and the Obamas and whatever cohort of the Clintons was there, how they all seemed so cordial and they were warm towards one another. And that it was some return to a, a good politics that we, we don't have anymore. Right? We, we have a politics where everybody hates everybody and assumes the worst of everybody. And so it, here were these these families that are representative of the two major parties and they were they were being cordial and kind and almost set up juxtaposition to the current brand of politics in the White House. Like it was, you know, the Bushes and the Obamas and the McCains and the Clintons, you know, all disagreed with each other, but they were decent people at the end. And, you know, we're, we are setting that up as a contrast to what's currently in the White House and that behavior. And so... I want to work through all of that in ways that, as is often the case with me, no matter who you are, you're probably not going to like what I'm about to say. Like, I will make lefties mad and conservatives, like, everybody's going to dislike some portion of what I'm about to ro- walk through. But here we go, nonetheless. So first, it is encouraging to me. I do like that. I want that more and more as I age, for folks to just put down their political arms and find a way to talk to each other. So I'm encouraged by what I saw there. I actually did like the little video that went semi-viral of George W. Bush passing Michelle Obama candy. I thought that was it was adorable. I wish we had more of that. Now, folks, I admire people like Ben Shapiro. You know, said this is not this is not the good part of our politics. We don't we don't need politics that confuses you know ideology and where we're where we're, these little gestures make us think we're all going to be okay, we're all going to be okay because of these little gestures like giving out candy when we really have big ideological differences. I would never minimize the ideological differences. The Obama administration was terrible for the United States of America. It, it was fundamentally opposed to the foundational principles on which America was founded and then grew to be prosperous. That's just true of the Obama administration. Nevertheless, he's a human. I don't think he's a human I would like much. His wife's a human. Watching them be nice to other people, people, people be nice to them, that's a good. That's an objective good. I'm, that's not my opinion. I'm right. It's an objective good for there to be kindness in these situations. And so this is, this is something I, I liked, and I 
enjoyed, and there were folks on the right that did not like it. And it was specifically, if you come from the Trump perspective especially, this was actually a, a, a badge of honor for Trump, that he wasn't there, and that th this is the problem with America. The problem with America was these elites, and these elites are there having their own party, and it's the McCains and the Bushes and the Clintons and the Obamas, and they're part of that elite cabal, and there's Trump. He's fighting for the little guy by himself, and they excluded him from the McCain funeral, and it sets him up as opposed to the elites, and the elites broke the country. And so on that point, I don't, I don't like using the elite language, but I, I do want to empathize with the person who saw it that way. I'm trying my best to empathize. That that is the part of our politics that doesn't need to happen, right? So we have room for compromise if that means everybody had to give a little of something they they wanted to get something something else. We can have a little bit of compromise. But this this show they put on, I think, is is also a little disingenuous because I remember the behavior of some of those people. Oh, it was the Bidens too. The Bidens were there. I remember when Joe Biden stood in front of the NAACP during the Mitt Romney campaign, the Mitt Romney campaign, probably the nicest person who's ever run for president, and said, I could probably pull the clip for you, but I'll just do it. He was talking about how Mitt Romney says he wants to unchain Wall Street. <laughs> unchain, unchain Wall Street. They're going to put y'all back in chains. Joe Biden said that to a room of African-American people about Mitt Romney. That is despicable. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama said that George W. Bush was in the, in the military at that time was, was firebombing villages and killing civilians without really caring about it. That's a war crime. And that accusation is just despicable to have done that. We could go through all the things they've said of each other and I I would hit the left harder on that. George W. Bush, John McCain, those guys, they were better behaved. They often didn't do that to their to their opponents. You know, it was it was Barack Obama who goes out on stage and says he he called the Tea Party movement a, a sexually explicit insult that has to do uh, with a double entendre, all right? It was it was disgusting and wrong. And so there is this one part of me that says, yes, on that stage, I wish we could do all that. I wish we could all be decent with one another and then debate and discuss where there are disagreements. But, was, but what was on that stage at that memorial is a veneer. And what would be a genuine contrast to where our politics are right now, which they were bad before this current president. He has driven them worse. You know what would go great? Is if they would all acknowledge the garbage things they've said of one another. If Joe Biden would apologize for it, if Obama would apologize for it, if those on the right who have behaved that way would apologize for it and say, hey, we want to move forward. We don't want to fight all the time. We don't want to be at war with each other. We're going to disagree. There's going to be disagreements, but I'm going to assume the best of that person I disagree with. I'm going to assume their best motives. And so that what they put on that stage, I think, can be a model of that. It's just one of those things where I can, I know people in my own personal life, I could hear them saying to, to me, 
like they haven't said it to me yet, but I bet they will, that they hated the McCain funeral because all those fakes up there and all those all those globalists that run the world, it's, 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 McCain, it's McCain's and the Bushes, it's all those families. That just proves to me how much more Trump's not one of them and he's one, he's one for the little guys. I can see them saying that, saying that. And that's not, that's not going to be a helpful reaction. So what to take from it? It might have been fake. It might have been a veneer, what's on, what was on that stage with the McCain funeral. But it's something to strive for. Something to try to do. Not hate the folks that disagree with us. Can't believe it's controversial now to think that, to think that, that opinion it actually is controversial. That we would try to get along and maybe have to, yeah, it might lead to policy compromises, but just stop being at war with each other. All right, so that was one of my thoughts on the McCain funeral and the, the things we could learn from it. Speaking of wars and culture wars, that was rekindled this week as well because Nike decided to announce that Colin Kaepernick was going to be their new primary smokes spokesman that was leading right up to the NFL season that began this week. Which, by the way, the NFL began this week. I'm so excited. And nevertheless, Colin Kaepernick was going to be their guy. And it was announced with this very dramatic close-up on his face, that kind of picture, with the caption, believe in something, even if it costs you everything, or even if you have to sacrifice everything. So that's the phrase. Believe in something, even if it costs you everything. So I have several responses to this, because it was the big controversy of the week. So, again, I have an opinion here where everyone's going to be mad at some part of it. Right, left, everyone will have some problem with what I'm about to say. So, first, for Colin Kaepernick. Hey, man, you didn't sacrifice anything. That's not true. You were already benched behind behind Blaine Gabbard, a guy who's not even in the... If he's in the NFL, he's he's been benched since. Long before you ever kneeled, you were a backup. Because you weren't good. You weren't good enough, man. You got distracted. You got distracted with activism. You weren't focused on football anymore. And you just got benched. You weren't you weren't good enough to be a starter in this league. So you're not being colluded against. There's not a conspiracy against you. And you did not sacrifice anything. You, you didn't give up a career. You weren't good enough. And even if you would have been a little better, coaches and owners have every every right and really a responsibility to say of their employees, you're not focused on the job. I mean, you're pretty good. You're okay. You might be able to contribute, but you're not focused. You're doing other things. I want players that are focused. You're focused on activism. You're focused on your on your own reputation and what you're doing in the community and your activism. i got to have players that are focused, so we, it's, just, it's just not an interest we have in you. And then sir, further, sir, Mr. Ka- Mr. Kaepernick, you didn't sacrifice anything in that you were offered jobs. The Broncos offered you a job. Other places offered you jobs on the roster as a backup. You didn't accept. To be clear, sir, you sacrificed nothing. Now, granted, I don't know. I mean, Colin Kaepernick does not strike me as a bright person. I don't know that he chose that phrase. I doubt that he did. But for Nike, that's a really dumb thing to say. It feeds into a false narrative that Colin Kaepernick is being colluded against, that there's some kind of discrimination happening, that the NFL is trying to keep him out of the league. All that's just false. It's not It's not true. Which leads to an, uh, another part of this that's going to make some folks uncomfortable. I get a little frustrated with how we think about athletes in the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB. I understand that a lot of them think of themselves as entrepreneurs. 
They think of themselves as their own business owners. And some of them are. Some of them have their own clothing line. Some of them do other things where they are running their own business. They are their own brand. That's very few and far between. You have to be a very high-end athlete to have your own business built on your reputation and your name. Colin Kaepernick was not one of those. This, this might make you uncomfortable, but here's the bottom line truth about athletes. Gentlemen, you are the staff. You are the employees. You are the help. If you don't like that, start another league. Own another league. It, where, the, where the players can be the owners. But your role in the NFL, Colin, your role in the NBA, Mr. James, your role wherever you are in sports, Tom Brady, all of you guys, you are the employees. You are not the boss. That is not your role here. Now, if you don't like that, that's fine. Go start another league. But that's how these leagues work. Owners put up the hundreds of millions and the billions of dollars to build these things. So your role is to follow the rules that the that the owners set up because that's the deal that that's the deal you made that's how these things work and if they don't want your services you're not this independent entrepreneur that you've been colluded against the owners don't want you they're the ones that they're the ones that put up the money to start the league you are an employee and it's totally rational to have expelled to have fired this employee that was Colin Kaepernick because he wasn't quite good enough to be worth all the drama that he had. I think I have a couple more comments on this. A few other items of news, and we will move on to sports. Stick with us for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show. Thank you for being with us, talking about Colin Kaepernick and Nike's decision to make him their spokesperson with that catchphrase, believe in something, even if it's means sacrificing everything. And that th- probably my last thought on this is the, it goes back to that phrase. I just want to really, con- I guess, criticize Nike, critique Nike on that phrase. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. So not only is it a bad idea to have chosen Colin Kaepernick for that slogan, because it's not true of him, it's also just really stupid. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. So on the Christian worldview, this is not at all what we're supposed to do. It's not believe in something. It's believe in the right things. It doesn't matter how sincere your belief is. If your belief is incorrect, it wasn't worth sacrificing anything over. It's just one of those phrases that sounds cute. It's adorable. It's an adorable thing to say. It's just not accurate or helpful. So for for the Christian worldview portion of what we do here, even if you like the phrase, you know, believe in something, even if it costs you everything. You know, I even had someone I know say, you know, I, I bet you really would love this phrase. That they, they thought I'd really love it, even if I didn't love the, the Kaepernick part, because that seems like a thing I would say. I'm a, uh, uh, we know the, there's a phrase that has a word I can't say on the radio, but let's just go with uh, disregard. Disregard the torpedoes from the Civil War. Um, or And I, I'm a disregard the consequences guy. So I, this, this got me in trouble in election cycles. I am disregard the consequences. I ask the question, what is right? Not, what will work? What is the pragmatic thing? Well, what's, what's the, what is the, the best of many, or the, the best of many really good ways? No, I'm a, hey, what is right, what's wrong? What is correct is what is incorrect. 
And then when folks say, well, what about the consequences of that being correct? If you do that, even though it's right, even though it's correct, these other things could happen. My attitude is, I don't care. Is it right or not? We try to do the right things, whatever the consequences. And so you get this phrase that seems like that. You know, believe in something. That, and even if it means sacrificing everything. I don't believe that at all. I believe in, believe the right thing, and if that means you have to sacrifice, and it often does, then it's worth it. It's worth sacrificing for right. Uh, whatever that thing is. I mean, I, I don't know why it's so hard for people to grasp that. If it, if it costs you, you know, a, a friendship, if it costs you popularity, costs you subscribers, costs you listeners, costs you hits on your website... I mean, we, we want to say the truth in love. Sometimes I fail to do that. But ultimately, if you believe in something and it, and it costs you something, and it costs you everything, but what you believed in was, was false, then it was all vanity anyway. But if you can, determine really what is right, what is wrong. From my perspective and eternal perspective, informed by Scripture, and you hold on to that and it costs you a lot, then fine. That's totally worth it. In the end, the folks that dis the folks that misunderstand that and don't get that, just have a really temporal perspective on perspectives on things. They they just they care about the here and now much more than they should, and that's a, that's hard for us. That's that's the human nature. Human nature is to care about right now and even a year from now or two years from now or ten years from now. The more we can get eternal minded, the less these these little temporal things are going to matter to us. This this old hymn does a good job of. I, mean, I, I quote this hymn all the time, and it's it's not quoting scripture. The hymn is not scripture, but it is a scriptural point. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on His wonderful face. The things of earth will go st- grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And this is this is what I spend a lot of time people doing. Hey, get your eyes on Jesus. If you get your eyes on Jesus, all these other little things are not going to matter. And ultimately, if the thing you believed in that cost you everything wasn't Jesus, eh, probably wasn't worth it. Probably wasn't worth loot, or not informed by Jesus thinking, not informed by the Bible that he, he's given us. It wasn't worth sacrificing everything over. I had a couple other items I wanted to get to, but as I run out of time, let me point you towards something. You know, one of my favorite radio hosts does a thing every now and then called Things I Like. So it's just the Netflix shows that he's watching, or some music he's been listening to, or some book that he really likes, and and he just tells you, hey, it's something I'm really into. If you're into what I what I do, I think you'd get into this. So I want to point you all in some direction. I have not totally vetted all the videos and the podcast. There's so much content here. And something sneaky in me, like there's a sneaking suspicion, I'm eventually going to find something with these producers that I'm going to go, oh, no, no, nope, not, not that. That's not, that's not right. And so there's some caution I guess I would give, but I have... From a friend, Chandler. Hi, Chandler, if you're listening. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Motes, for pointing me this direction. It has pointed me towards these guys called the Bible Project. Uh, so n- don't get it confused. There's the Gospel Project out there, and then there's the Bible Project. They're out on YouTube. They have a podcast on iTunes. So if you listen to me on iTunes you or, or Apple Podcasts, you can get their Bible Project podcast. They're smart. Uh, really smart. There's some depth there. The, to the to the extent that the first time I heard them, I was a little frustrated. Where uh, I don't know if you've ever had this, I don't know uh, the, you've ever had this realization where you think you know a lot about something, 
and then you hear someone else talk about that thing, and you go, oh boy, I know nothing. I know none of the things. And that's what happened with me and these guys. They know so much, or at least one of them, Tim Mackey, knows so much about the Bible, knows so much about its original languages and the cultures in which it was written. I have now been consuming their videos, podcasts for about a month. I feel like I've Man, I feel like I've learned so much this month. A lot of it's been very challenging to how some of us grew up uh, theologically. But let me encourage you to to seek these guys out. They really are brilliant. It's, you know, all the time we spend on things. We're, we're willing to learn other skills or even, I don't know, languages through Rosetta Stone or we get on Skillshare and learn how to do this home improvement project it is worth, as a Christian, being an expert on your Bible. It's worth, as a Christian, becoming more of an expert on your faith. And so, let me encourage you to get into the Bible project. You will learn a ton. You know, in, in that same vein, I recently joined here. And don't laugh. Don't laugh, guys. I joined a flag football league. That starts up here soon. Primarily because I think Christians should be around non-Christians, and I'm, I'm often not because I just have the church life and the North Greenville life. And I want to get around some non-believers to influence them. And one of the ways to prepare for that is to become more of an expert on what Christianity is and the Bible. So the Bible Project, I recommend. Let's do sports! Are you ready? We can actually talk about games that took place. We're going to do that right now with the sports correspondent of the show. His name is Heath Powell. Hello there! Hello! Let's start with the Clemson Tigers, a game where you attended, and it's also the most interesting in the upset of South Carolina right. for most people. <laughs> My, I'll give you my reaction, then I want to get just yours. Uh, I felt like it was a perfect game for everyone to have a good day. Right. Like, everyone had a great play. Uh, Darion Kendrick, o- Overton, Cornell Powell, yep. Lynn J. Like, a- Lynn J. Dixon, yeah. ETN, T. Higgins. Everybody Justin had a great Ross. Yeah, it yeah. was it was good. No, Kelly Bryant came out and looked. Shaky. Shaky. I don't know if it was just the nerves, you know, the, the adrenaline, whatever it was. But he is what he is, and, I mean, he made a great pass. Down the sideline, forty-yard touchdown, and he had a good rushing touchdown too. So um, he is what we knew he was in person. The the pass to Mario Rogers down there at the yeah. end on on TV where I was watching it, it felt like that ball took forever to come down. <laughs> yeah. Did it feel like that it way did, live? Yeah. Okay, that's it was a fine play against Furman. I don't know that that works against Florida State. I don't think so, it does. You know, uh, but he, he had a great run. Yep, he did. That's. Where we That's know who he is. Kelly Bryant, yes. And it was right behind a long pass to Darian Kendrick. Right. Went and got it, and then he followed up with a great run. Yep. I wasn't. I had no surprises. It was just, I, I, I looked at the stat sheet. Everybody caught one. You know, like 12 receivers with a yeah. catch. Like Even <laughs> six the, guys had a touchdown The tight end at the end who caught a touchdown. Galloway? Yeah. Even that guy had like three catches. Yeah, he looks good, though. He sure does. I was surprised, yeah. So, did you have any, What about environmental? Was it full? Yeah, Island? it was insane. Okay, I mean that place was packed, and it was for you know, we all know why everybody was there. We get it, but yeah, there had to be eighty-two plus thousand wow. people there for the Furman game to open. That really is a big deal. Yeah, and it was like ninety-five degrees too. Maybe two programs, excuse me, ten, maybe ten programs in the country fill up their stadiums on those garbage games, right? Uh, and Clemson is on one of those very few. It was very impressive. Even the players talked about how many people were there, and of course they had recruits there as well, and that's always a good day. And you know, you talked about Kelly not looking great at the beginning. Trevor Lawrence looked like a freshman to me. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. I mean, he's supposed to look that way. Right. He's eighteen. Yeah, but the difference is he corrected himself very quickly, His and second then drive he was, was great. on point. Yeah. 
and he is as advertised. He's not overhyped. Now that's not a discredit to Kelly Bryant. I don't think I think Kelly Bryant has earned the right to be to have the job. Yes. And Trevor Lawrence has the right to take it from him. Yeah. That, that's how it plays to me. The uh, the rest of the season will certainly be interesting because of those two. They will. I, I did hear some announcement that both of them are going to play. Yep. At they A&M. will. You know, Watson played at Georgia, threw a great pass, to and then he didn't Peek. go back in. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that again. Yeah. yeah um, here's the difference, though. Kelly Bryant is far superior to Cole Stout. Without a doubt. Not even close. Yeah. So that was a little different dynamic for that, but it does have that same feel. You know, even the uh, the old timers, Hunter Infro had a had a good little game on him. Yep. You know, the, I guess the only stat line that's disappointing is the, uh, the guy wearing twenty eight, Feaster. Yeah. Well, he didn't get much time though, really. Which, I mean, Lynn J. Dixon, you know, had four carries for like eighty seven yards. Yeah, with Dixon and ETN. And ETN. I mean, it's it's gonna be rough. You know the problem you really do run into. Let's say you run eighty plays a game. Who gets those? Like, there's too many guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, ETN's the one, so he gets he gets the bulk. Yeah. And not even just running backs, but if you get 80 plays. Right. How many times do you target Cornell Powell versus Darion Kendrick versus Justin Ross versus T. Higgins? Then you, Amari Rogers, Amari, Hunter yeah, Renfro. Who, who, yeah. Who, <laughs> I can't distribute the ball effectively. Look, they are so loaded. They, they just kept rolling subs in, and you couldn't tell the difference between the subs and the starters. It was insane. It occurs to me we, we are such spoiled Clemson fans because we haven't even talked about the defense. The defense is awesome. Yeah. And all we're doing is And the that defense is going like four <laughs> deep. Yeah. They were really good. Like Shaq Smith, Trey Lamar, Zay, all, both Xaviers. I mean, so, they're insane. I don't know about live. Right. When I was watching, number five, is that Shaq Smith, That's right? Shaq Smith. He really was very instinctive in the, that triple look, option. Once he got onto the field, it was over. Mm-hmm. He was the best player on the field I once he got there. For, on TV, it was, you studied, you know what you're doing. That's you know, right. Because that, that, that option is like Georgia Tech's. Yeah, little, yeah, Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, yeah. pretty much the same thing. Number five, as I was watching him, was you know exactly what you're doing. And on, he was on, so on hyped coming out of high school, and he finally got on the field. I think he, I think his brain caught up with his body now and yeah, his talent. that's right. And it, there was nothing wrong with him why they didn't play him. He just had to – he wasn't familiar with the schemes and all that stuff. His brain had to catch up with his raw talent, it's and I think now. he's there now. Yeah, that was fun And to he's watch. freaky good. Couple other reactions just from the college first college football weekend. I think when Washington lost to Auburn, the Pac-12 is eliminated from the playoff this early. Am I right? Well, what they're going to say is, well, it was an SEC team. You know, it's probably the second or third best team in the SEC. You know, so and it was the first game, just like they did again when Auburn lost to Clemson last year. But I mean, I don't know. I still think they're going to win the Pac-12. If USC doesn't win it, I think Washington will win it. I think, but somebody's out. I, I think it is them this year. Be, just because uh, even if you go out and win the Pac-12, yep. Auburn was your one chance to have a really great win. It was. You don't, you don't get that chance the rest of the year. And that was an ugly game. Mm-hmm. Both sides. It was not fun to watch. The second half especially. Right. You know, and both of those guys are probably going to be on some draft boards as the next quarterback. Right. And it was not really. No. You know who was impressive? Will Greer. He sure was. I mean, we knew he was hyped and, and, and he was impressive at Florida. But man, that dude can throw it. When we talked about the playoff, you know, he was I, I, West Virginia was one of my right. my teams because just because of him, <laughs> yeah. and that offense is going to be really good. They beat up on Tennessee, right? Yes, they did. And it was it wasn't really close. No, Tennessee had fourteen. I think West Virginia had what fifty two, forty seven, forty eight something. But even in the first half, 
if it weren't for that weather delay right. in the se- to, to take the second half, I mean, I think West Virginia steamrolls them even more. Oh, yeah, it would have been horrible. That weather delay is or worse than it was. Yeah. That was the other reaction. I, was, I had a couple of Yeah, others. how about all the weather delays on opening day? It was insane, man. Well, if it, southeast is where all the football is. Right. We have the stupid thunderstorms every afternoon. <laughs> I, I, maybe you disagree. I think that rule is dumb, that if lightning is within some amount of miles, miles away, you have, to st- you have to empty the stadium and everyone leaves. Right. I think it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know what they're doing, but, I mean, it's... It's insane. It's not a it's not a good policy for TV, and the people don't mind. It's not. We've been doing it for years, guys. Right. No one's ever been hurt. No one's ever been hurt. Pretty much no one cares. Michigan Notre Dame was the other game I wanted to get to. Uh, what it, was either of them more? Did you expect more from either of them? No, I expected more from Michigan. I did too, because of the hype Shea Patterson had. It was Shea Patterson for me, and you know Jim Harbaugh's quarterback guy. Well, I think Michigan has problems. I think Jim Harbaugh has problems. You know, Shea Patterson was supposed to be that one cog they needed to be championship contenders. I thought so. I don't think so. I mean, it, it, they look bad. And it's game one. Maybe it it's game one improves over time. But he just could do nothing. Mm-hmm. And over time in the Big Ten, it doesn't get any easier. No, with, it doesn't. With Wisconsin and right. Ohio State contending for that spot as well. I feel like there was one more game that meant meant something to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that Tua yeah. took all the snaps. I mean, he, he's the starter for Alabama and it's that's gonna be terrifying if you're in the SEC. Look, Tua is awesome. He's as it. advertised. Mm-hmm. You know, Saban can stop getting mad at those sideline reporters for asking him quarterback questions. Yep. I mean, it's a it's a legit question. You're the premier program in college football, and mm-hmm. you have a quarterback controversy. People are going to ask you about it. Yeah, you have the uh, most important job in college football. So if Saban cannot be petulant and petty mm-hmm. to the sideline reporter who's just doing her job, yeah, and she's good. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, Taylor. she's good. She's uh, she's talented. She's awesome. So that week one, not a lot of fireworks. You know, there's some other good games. Yeah, I think week one was as everyone thought it would be, pretty much. We get some good ones here. Uh, week two, Clemson's Texas A&M. Yes, sir. Uh, and then week three, so Ohio State, TCU. Yeah, so, oh, how about App State? Almost upsetting Penn State. That Happy Valley. Yeah, uh, the Big Ten needs to quit booking App State for the opening they weekends. They do. Please stop doing it. And it was 11 years to the day they beat Michigan. That would be super cool. And I don't know why they threw that pass in overtime, All you know. Just run the ball. Yeah. They threw an interception game. It was over, but they, they had it. They gave it away. They did. Oh, yeah. They could make a defensive stop at the end. All right. We will cover uh, some South Carolina stuff next week. Also, this big uh, – South Carolina's playing Georgia in week two. Right. So, we certainly have big South Carolina and Clemson yep. week two games. We'll talk about them next week. Thanks for coming in and doing sports. I appreciate it. We'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.